Do you miss the free and affordable ads and social networks without all of the anti-sex rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising and social spaces to the sex working community. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their two products, Trist.link and Switter.at, are refreshing and well-needed changes in both presentation and mission. And both are free to join and open to all. You can find both of our profiles on Trist, and I love how it is so clearly designed by sex workers. Yep, and I love how straightforward and easy it is to use and how much they clearly support the sex working community. And also how responsive they are when it comes to feedback and customer service. Check out their website, assembly4.com, for the word, not the number, for more info. Welcome to Somebody You Love, or The Sale of Two Titties. I'm Jenna Love. And I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines, and banging the people who vote against our rights. Hello, listeners. Before we get stuck into today's episode, I'd just like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land from which we are recording. As usual, I am on Doric and Gundungara land, and I've got Georgie calling in from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Now, Holly is currently in the middle of unpacking a house full of boxes, so she's left me on my own this week. Except I'm not on my own. I do have Georgie Wolf here. Georgie is a writer, educator and escort based in Melbourne, Australia. She wrote the book The Art of the Hookup and produced a podcast by the same name, both of which focus on practical strategies for casual sex and online dating. Georgie's most recent endeavour is The Satisfaction Project, a site that shares sex-positive and shame-free advice, teaching communication, consent, and safer sex skills that allow clients to make the most of their encounters with hands-on sex professionals, while treating them with kindness and respect. She is also the host of the Satisfaction Project podcast, where she interviews a fantastic variety of sex industry professionals, including yours truly. Hey, Georgie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having this chat. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. It's sort of been a little while in the works. We knew we wanted to have you on and then the stars aligned and here you are. So that is brilliant. I feel like having the stars aligned is a miracle given the last couple of years. So good on you. You're doing well. True. The stars have not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking when I was reading out your your little bio there that you are such a I don't want to use the word entrepreneur because that's just sort of an overused word, but I feel like you've always got something on the go. You know, you've, you're always coming up with, with new things and new ways of delivering important messages. And I think that's very cool. I'm really, really bad at sitting still, really bad. Yeah. And I'm really bad at just doing one thing at a time. It has to be 10 things and they all have to be really hard things or I'm not happy. Yeah. Yes. Unintended. <laughs> Alrighty, here at Somebody You Love, we are big fans of origin stories. We always ask this question, can you please tell us how you got started in the industry and sort of how you came to be where you are now? I guess I can sort of tell many different versions of this story depending on which bits I would like to emphasise. But look, to be honest, I've always kind of grown up around sex workers. So from since I was 18 or 19, hanging out in the club scene in Sydney, hanging out in the kink scene in Sydney, a lot of the people I was hanging out with were sex workers and kink workers, um, 
you know, I played with people who are super experienced kink pros and it was such uh, such not a big deal, I guess, that I just kind of went, okay, you know, this is a thing people do and this is cool. And then um, when I moved to Melbourne uh, about 12 years ago, I was having a lot of trouble finding a job and I was living in a 20-person dorm backpacker hostel and I was going down to Brunswick Street in Fitzroy to Bimbo's for $5 pizza. Any local will know that spot. It's not around anymore, but you could basically get like limitless slices of pizza for five bucks or whatever. And it was my oh, lifeline. Fantastic. So staying in a 20 person dorm, $5 pizza, running out of money, like couldn't find a job. It was really depressing. And then I just happened to run into one of my old friends who went, won't just go to a brothel shift. And I, I sort of went, oh, is it, is it that simple? And she's like, yeah, um, just give it a go. If you don't like it, then don't do it again, which is really good advice in life for many things. Yeah. Try everything yeah. once or almost everything. So I did. I literally called the nearest place on Google Maps, which just ha- turned out to be a really nice place. Just just by luck, it oh. was great. Fem- female run. Yeah, you got lucky. I did, right? Super supportive. Went in. They were like, hooray, here's the couch. Off you go. And then they introduced me to some of the regular clients and the other people who were working there were really good and helped me out with beginner's stuff and um, gave me a lot of really useful tips. And it was actually just a really good way to get started. I don't know if I'd do very well um, if I'd gone straight into independent escorting. And everyone's different in how they learn and what previous life experience they have. But I think I really needed that advice. It was really good advice. It was really nice to have that support. So that worked really well for me. And then one day I was doing a shift in the brothel and a couple came in saying that they were looking for a um, a worker to visit them at their hotel. And that's not something that the brothel actually did. They didn't do out calls for their workers. But my friend, the receptionists, just sort of went, why don't you just take their number and do it on the sly? I promise I won't tell anyone. (laughs) And so I did. So my first escorting job was a threesome. And it was amazing. Oh, it was so delightful. Also, they were both just so beautiful and so gorgeous. And they were really into vintage lingerie. The lady was really into vintage lingerie, had this beautiful classic 50s style look. And she was just lovely. And we had the best threesome ever. And after that, I'm like, whoa, (laughs) I made like three times as much money. And I had a hot threesome. And it was fucking awesome. Like as if I'm not going to keep doing this. Yeah. So then, then I was off. That was it. That's so great. I've really liked that somebody said to you, well, why don't you do a brothel shift and see whether you like it? Because I feel like there's this perception that you have sex for money once and you're you're ruined. You know, it'll change your whole perspective in life and you'll never be the same. And, you know, there's all oh, there's so much right. fear around it. And I've got a friend who, you know, recently started and we've been doing a lot of doubles together to get her started. And after every booking, I just keep sort of saying, how do you feel now? Has your soul gone to the devil are you okay are you questioning everything you You're know we joke about it but it's like well see how you go and she's loving it so great and if she wasn't mm-hmm. then she doesn't do it again you know what you this know? is like, this is that idea around sex particularly when it comes to women that once you give it away you can't get it back oh you better not lose your virginity because you can never take that back it's like as if i'd want to mm-hmm. fucking take it back and then yeah. things like oh you'd better not do that sexy thing with that dude because they they might or that or that chick or that person or whatever because they might think badly of you or like and then you can't take it back and you'll be a slut forever. It's like well yeah. maybe I just want to be a slut forever. Let's just cross that line. But also you can mm. you know you can experiment with sex stuff and go oh that was probably a poor choice or I didn't really like it. it doesn't mean you've suddenly condemned yourself to being like 
bad. It's really awful. And this idea that if you, yeah. you know, you do sex work once, you're you'll just be soiled or something. I don't. I just don't get it. No, it's just uh, yeah, and, and as you said, yeah, it's connected to to much broader mores and and um, concepts of sex in general. It's not it's not just sex work. Oh no, you pu- you pushed a button. I'm ranting now. It's all just ranting. Yeah, good, go go go. This is the point. <laughs> like, can you imagine? And like, obviously, there's there's a lot of gendered stuff around this, right? And I'm sure that there'll be exceptions to this. I'm sure that that um, male presenting sex workers get shamed in a whole load of other ways too. But that whole kind of like, um, you know, could you imagine a bloke getting paid to have sex for money and then telling his mates and then afterwards they're like, do you feel dead on the inside now? Yes. yes. Like I just yes. don't think it would happen, <laughs> right? It's really yep. weird. And, again, like that's not a blanket statement. There'll be, there are ways that all sex workers are shamed for doing their jobs and there are ways that totally cross gender lines and there are specific shames that fall on specific genders. But I just, mm-hmm. that whole thing about having a, you know, being a, a chick or being female presenting or being AFAB or having a vajayjay and having people go, well, you better not put shit in there because you might just be permanently <laughs> broken, just doesn't make any yeah. sense. No, it doesn't because you take it out again. <laughs> if it doesn't you know, come you out, you've got a problem. You, exactly, absolutely. <laughs> Don't be leaving shit in there for days. That's how you get TSS. What but, goes in must know. come out is a pretty good principle when it applies to your genitalia. <laughs> so tell us, why do you think somebody should hire an adult industry professional? Okay, so I kind of feel like most I know you won't feel this way. I kind of feel like people who don't have experience with the sex industry, which obviously won't be a lot of people listening to your podcast, think that, you know, you see a sex worker to pay them to have sex with you and then they they go away and that's all it is. It's just about coming or getting off and then uh, that it's just about your genitals. Like it's kind of I didn't realise when I started that sex work is so much more. It's more than just sex, but even when it is sex, it's not just about intercourse. And even when it's about intercourse, it's not necessarily about coming. Like that's not the thing often that people are really there for. Often they're there for connection or to feel good about themselves or to have a great conversation or, you know, feel validated or feel sexy. Like there are so many reasons. And I really wish that people were more, attuned to what was possible because I feel like a lot of people who decide to go see a sex worker for the first time, particularly a hands-on sex worker, right, so an escort or a brothel worker, are kind of like, well, I guess I'll just go and get laid and it'll kind of suck and it'll feel weird and awkward and it'll never get better than that because it's seeing a sex worker, of course, like that's all you get out of it. And then they're missing out on all the other stuff that they could be getting and experiencing by sort of reducing it down just to that kind of shitty exchange. Totally. And I know, I, I imagine it's so daunting the first time you visit a sex worker, right? Like whenever I have clients that it's it's their first time, I, I hope I'm not coming across as patronizing, but I'm always like, fuck yeah, good on you. High five. Like, because I just think that's probably a really daunting big step. And you have swooped in, swooped in, swooped. Swope? What is the word? Swope. I don't think it's swope. <laughs> But you have you've come in and you've put together a guide for exactly that situation, which is called Getting Started with Escorts. Anyone can access it for free by going to satisfactionproject.com, which will be linked in the show notes. 
What I really liked about this is that you cover what happens after the booking because I think that that's something people often don't think about and don't prepare for. It's all the build-up. It's all getting there. But then afterwards is actually a really is something you need to prepare for as well for a lot of people, maybe not everyone. So could you share with us some of your top tips for, for managing your feelings? Yeah. And, yeah. How you feel after a booking. And this is a really good point too because, like, yeah, like focusing on getting offers being the main reason you see a sex worker. Nobody thinks about what happens afterwards. Like how do you leave? How do you feel? How do they feel? Have you left them in a good state? Have you treated them well? Do you wake up the next day and gone, uh, you know, I'm going to hell now? Like what happens? And, look, <laughs> this is something that I've learned from my time in the kink scene. We have this thing called drop. And basically the idea is that when you have a really intense experience, whether it's a kinky experience, getting, you know, tied up or getting into that kind of stuff, whether it's a really intense sexual experience, or maybe it's just like bungee jumping or whatever, or doing extreme sports or whatever gets your adrenaline up and gets all those happy chemicals going in your brain, it means that our brains get a bit out of whack. And then sometimes a day or two later, we don't have any happy left. And so we start to feel depressed or scattered or down on ourselves. And I actually think this might be the reason why people sometimes say sex is bad for you. Um, because obviously we have a lot of cultural stuff around that, but then also if you have really good sex and then the next day you wake up and you feel like shit, you might assume that you're feeling guilt and remorse over what you've done. Whereas really your brain is just missing those happy chemicals and it takes a while for your brain to build back up into its original state. So this is what we call drop in the kink scene. And it's something we, we look out for. Like if you play with someone, you have really intense kinky scene, then you say, okay, like, what do we do tomorrow? Like, do you experience drop? What are you going to need? What kind of aftercare are you going to need? And we prepare for it. Sometimes people put it in their calendars to remind themselves like, hey, are you feeling shit right now? It's not because the world is terrible. It's just because you've got drop. <laughs> and then after a day or two, it kind of passes. But nobody else seems to reference this stuff. And I'm amazed because it totally applies to sex too. And then a lot of clients have been telling me that they feel really depressed afterwards and wondering why, you know, thinking that they might be too attached to their escort or, you know, super lonely. And I'm like, yeah, it could be those things or it could just be drop and it'll pass. And they're like, oh, and that's really cool to know. <laughs> it is. Once you name it, I find whenever I'm having a difficult time emotionally, once I know the reason, that gets me 50% better straight away. Because right? I just go, oh, okay, it's cool. The world isn't ending. I've just, this is what, this is what I'm experiencing. It's not that life is shit. No. It's just that. You feel like shit and that passes. And you've just run out of all the amazingness because you've had such greatness, which is which is lovely and should be celebrated. And maybe a good sign. Yeah. We have a term in the theatre world called post-show blues, which is PSB, and it's exactly the same because yes. you have such intense experiences. You're with this group of people. You are performing, whether the show runs for a few days or a month or whatever, Every night you're getting together, you're going on stage. It's such a high, incredibly difficult to get to sleep that night. Adrenaline. Yeah, yes. And your body just, it's its a physical thing. Um, and then you get post-show blues afterwards because you're suddenly not seeing these people that you've, you've had all this intensity with and it's all over. And it, it is really, whenever we get new people come into the environment, we, we tell them to watch out for it. You know, we give them a heads up that, by the way, next week you are going to crash and that's cool. But And I think that's, yeah, right. I, I think you are so spot on for including it, particularly uh, in, in the sex industry because 
frankly, I think we we provide some really fucking amazing experiences. So it's it's likely to happen. It's disappointing. Like it's such a big hump for clients to get over, especially new people seeing sex workers. Like, okay, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to be really scary and I'm going to do it and psyching yourself up and and really doing your best and putting so much into it and then just crashing afterwards and wondering if what you've done wrong. And the, the fact is you haven't done anything wrong. And in fact, it may be a sign that you've done everything right because you've focused on the whole thing and, yeah. you know, put all that effort and attention on it and had a really excellent experience. And it means that all those emotions have kind of been, you know, sucked out. It's going to take a little while to come back to, you know, normal. Yeah. Yeah. I like, that's a great way of framing it. Much more positive way of looking at it. So, Georgie, what would you say are the three biggest mistakes or most common mistakes you see clients of sex workers making? Okay, so I've got three, but two of them are kind of the same mistake but just taken to different extremes. And uh, it depends, right, whether you're a new client or whether you're an experienced client. And I see two entirely different mistakes depending on that level of experience. So if, if someone's a super new client, their mistake I see most often, and I'm sure a lot of workers relate to this, is just not understanding that it's a service. So in this can go two ways. Either someone assumes that because they're paying a sex worker, it's like ordering a pizza and they don't actually need to speak to us like people. So you'll get messages like, I need you to be at this room in five minutes. And I'm like, hello, what is your name? And they're like, you don't need my name. And I'm like, hmm, we're not going to get along, mate. And then they're really puzzled <laughs> because they thought it was just a matter of, you know, calling up and, Uber Eats hooker. Am I allowed to say hooker on this show? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So it's not like (laughs) calling an Uber. You do have to introduce yourself and just put a little bit of effort into establishing that um, professional and personal connection. But then it can go to the other, other extreme too, where people who are inexperienced with escorts don't, don't treat it like a service at all. And instead of getting in touch and saying, Hey, I'd like to see you at this time for this long. They're just like, Hey, what you up to? Um, I'm kind of like, is this a, is this a wrong number or, you know, why did you message me? I'm confused, but they're trying to start the conversation the same way they would with their mates or have a bit of banter the same way they would with someone they matched with on Tinder because they don't realize that in fact it is a service and you do need to treat your professional like a professional and actually say, Hey, you know, this is my name. Here's what I want. Here's when I would like it. Can you do that? Can we have a conversation? So it's finding that kind of balance between, you know, treating a worker like a person, but not treating them like they're a mate you've known for 10 years, you know, because that doesn't work either. You still need to be professional. So I guess it is kind of the same problem from two mm, different angles. But two extremes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is often, it's that familiarity a lot of the time. Like the, a lot of messages I get, you know, I've got no message history with this person and I go, oh, is this someone I've seen that's changed numbers or something? Because it just seems like they're chatting to a mate. Right. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know who you are. You, hey, how you doing tonight? And I'm like, uh, mm, what? Okay, I don't know. I'm on the couch with my husband. Is that re- what are you doing? I don't like. It's just very <laughs> strange. <laughs> I guess the biggest thing that I want from a new client is to understand that they understand the nature of the exchange. That they understand I'm a human being. That they understand that I need certain information from them, and that it is a professional service, but that I also expect to be treated well. And if they can get that across within the first message, then I'm relaxed because I know that they know, they get it. They know how this works. But if they're a bit like too familiar or if they're sending like sexy, you know, descriptions of what they want to do, or if they're like, you avail five minutes 
you know, 30 minutes, 50 bucks or whatever, then I know that they don't really understand how this works. So that's a bit of a red flag. Like I do want to be seeing clients who've done enough research that I know they're going to be okay to be around. I wonder if you get this, Georgia. I often get clients who apologize for having done a lot of research. They'll say, what? oh, I read your whole website. I'm sorry. I don't want to be a stalker. And I'm like, that's why I put it out there. And that's the kind of person I am before I do things. I, I do the research. And, and I, I think because you and I, you know, we both do put a lot of information out there. We probably attract clients who, who do like that sort of thing. And I love that. I'm like, you're my favorite kind of person because that's the kind of person I am. And that's awesome. Right? Yeah, I think they, they worry that they're coming across as stalkery or something. I have a client who actually keeps a dossier, and this is going to sound a little bit odd. He keeps mm. a dossier <laughs> on, the, on the workers he sees where he records their birthdays, their favourite drink, you know, those little details, and it's not because he's weird or creepy or anything like that. It's because he is so conscientious and doesn't trust himself to remember those details, he writes them down. It's a very... Uh, right brain, right brain, left brain. It's a very something brain approach that I absolutely yeah. <laughs> understand and vibe with. Um, like, yeah, yeah, you know, keep those records. If you care about someone, sometimes the way that you care is by remembering those things. Um, and if your brain won't do it for you, use a spreadsheet. Yeah, I love and a lot of a lot of sex workers do that, you know, a right? lot of us keep track of, of little things like that. I'm terrible at it. So don't expect me to remember anything important about your lives. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I can't remember what day it is, to be honest. I, I exactly. do struggle. <laughs> um, and I think sometimes it's maybe about how that information comes out that could be perceived as creepy. Like if you, you know, if somebody says, oh, my dad said this and they go, oh, yes, because your father is it. And you're like, whoa, okay. Oh, my God. On. That's something I mentioned years ago once that's very very specific you know right but, but things like things that are relevant like things that are relevant you know, and, and things that we put out there and dietary yeah. needs favorite foods gifts people like to receive what they like to drink the thing you talked about last time that was really fun so that you can have that conversation again things that are relevant to your time together not what their father yeah. does for a living or whether their family <laughs> knows that they do sex work like that's that's get starts to get a bit weird yeah yeah let's talk about experienced clients and I've met some amazing experienced clients who are just lovely and have all their shit together. And there are still certain things that creep up, I find. And the biggest one is what I call getting on the relationship escalator. So if you have been seeing a worker for a while and you found someone that you have a really good vibe with and you get along with them, and then you start to have bookings with them, you see them on the regular, you start to become closer as you do, because, you know, when you see someone repeatedly, of course, you're going to get to know them better and you're both going to start to be more yourselves around each other. It's just part of the process. But then what I do find is that a lot of us are trained to think of all relationships and particularly sexual relationships as things that should be on a really fixed escalating path. So, you know, you meet someone that you think is hot, so you try and ask them on a date. You go on a date with them, then you try and get with them, you get with them, then you try and date them. Once you try and date them, then you need to move in with them, then you need to, you know, propose, then you need to pop out babies or whatever. And this is super hetero obviously too. Mm-hmm. But that assumption that if you like someone and if it's working, it has to escalate can really get in the way for escort clients um, because what happens is they're like, oh, I really like this person and I, I feel like my feelings are getting bigger. That means that we should spend more time together or they should give me more more time or they should give me more attention. Otherwise, it means that they're not reciprocating my feelings. But, of course, an escort is never going to be able to escalate the relationship the way that a normal romantic relationship 
does. Um, if you try and do that, it just blows up. It stresses out your worker. They feel like you're demanding things from them rather than just enjoying your time together. You really need to find a way to keep those emotions on an even level and not expect things to escalate. So the way that I see a lot of long-term professional relationships with escorts blowing up is clients that just not deliberately get super attached and then start to feel gypped because their escort isn't reciprocating their feelings and takes it really hard and then becomes maybe a little more demanding of their time and attention or a little more needy, emotionally needy, and the whole thing just starts to fall apart. And it's awful because you had something good. You had something good and you just had to hang on to it just by keeping keeping things on a nice, even keel, you know? Isn't that this one of the saddest things when we get, when we have a great client who just fucks it up for themselves? It's awful. And it's not know? even their fault often because we don't learn this stuff. No. Like no one teaches us how to manage our feelings and our relationships consciously. We just expect that they should work somehow magically, but of course they don't. So I really feel for clients where that, that shit does happen uh, because often it's kind of like, it's not something that they know how to handle, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. As you said, it's a very hetero worldview and it's also a very monogamous worldview, Mm -hmm. I think. And being someone who's quite open about being poly and and open in terms of relationships, I I find you've just got me thinking. I've just started thinking now that you're you're saying this and I, I love this whole concept because I find a lot of the time what people who subscribe to monogamy, which I don't see anything wrong with, what they struggle to grasp is, well, if you're dating someone else, what happens when you want to get married to them and then you want to have babies together? And I don't see my relationships that way. I don't I don't see them as, as escalating or following a particular path. And, it, you know, they go, oh, what if, okay, but if you love someone else, then does that mean, where's that relationship? It's not going anywhere. I'm just loving that person and I'm loving this How person. How can you escalate all those relationships at once? That's not going to work. It's like, well, well okay. we're not. We're not es- I actually stole the relationship no. escalator concept from polyamory. So that's, it's totally a polyamory oh. thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. I'm glad I've just <laughs> discovered it in a really roundabout way. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also I'm solo poly. Sorry, solo polyam, which means that I don't believe in escalating my intimate relationships. I'm like, whatever we want to do together, we'll do. But uh, I don't want to move in with anyone. Like, I'm happy how I am. Like, let's just stick to what we enjoy and not feel the need to to push things somewhere where they may or may not go. And that's a really good principle for relationships whether they're romantic or sexual or not, but it's also a really good principle for seeing sex workers. You don't push things where they don't want to go because that never goes well, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we do that with our friends, don't we? We don't expect our friendships to nece- – I mean, some of them may well escalate, but we don't necessarily, you know, become friends with someone and expect it to have these milestones no. and for us to get closer and closer. And, and if we do, it's usually a bit of a red flag, like a friend that demands you spend yeah. more and more time with them and gets resentful of your other friends. We would see that as – problem, right? So it's weird that we don't see our romantic partners at our clients. We, we don't see that as being as big a problem. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, you've blown my mind a little bit. I love thinking about new new concepts. New concepts for me. I know they're not new concepts for the world, but oh. very cool. Thank you, George. Oh, you're welcome. I love talking um, about this stuff. <laughs> Total yeah, you're, oh, you're bloody great. Sex and relationship nerd. Yeah, I love that. I started lecturing the bloke, uh, my barista in my local cafe, about good relationships the other day because he made some reference to his girlfriend. And so I'm like, tell me more about that. Have you thought about doing this and this and this? And he's like, oh. <laughs> I love that. I, I feel like I'm, yeah, a bit of a relationship 
nerd as well. It's something that I, I just find fascinating and interesting mm. and there's so many ways of thinking about it and right. it's great. So I know like you're doing some little surveys and things. You're always researching, always finding out new information. I saw on Twitter the other day you are – Trying to find out what what clients worry about when they go to sex workers. Yeah, we did the survey and it's still running. It'll be running to the end of the year. Just asking clients all these different questions, kind of like customer satisfaction. You know, how happy are you with your experiences with sex workers? And one of the questions was, do you worry um, about what your sex worker thinks of you? And a lot of people said yes. And then I was sorry that I hadn't asked a more specific question because I'm like, what are you worrying Mm. about, folks? I'd I'd love to know. Mm. What what are there other kind of common concerns that you hear from from clients? Definitely screwing it up. So that's another one that came up in the survey. A lot of people, or a majority of people, even though a majority of clients who answered said, "I feel that I'm very confident as a client, and I feel that I know the etiquette as a as a client." A lot of them also said, "I'm really nervous about doing or saying something wrong and fucking things up and making things awkward." So it's really interesting that you know uh, people can be super experienced. Um, and know know the rules and know what to do, but still have this kind of like low level of worry, like, oh, but what what if I make a mistake? That would suck. What if it ruins the mood, you know? Yeah, yeah, that is a big one. I like you talk about in your Getting Started Guide that, you know, it's so great to learn all of this and to, to do your research and prepare, but at the end of the day, we are the professionals and, you know, we are going to guide you through the process and mistakes are fine and i think it's really hard you know i know that a lot of a lot of the listeners of our podcast holly and i both have had many many clients come to us going was it me that you were talking about that time did i do this wrong i think i did that once and oh, you know no. we're constantly reassuring them that if if we still are seeing you then you're good yeah. because the occasional mistake or you know saying a wrong word or saying you know we not we're all human beings and we know, you know, if, if you accidentally say the P word or, or hooker or something, you know, we go, yep, that's cool. We live in a society where those words are used and that's fine. If somebody starts, you know, throwing slurs at us, obviously that's a different story. But all the little little missteps with etiquette, you know, coming out of the shower and using the wrong towel or whatever it is, it's all fine. We don't actually... You know, we don't go, oh, fuck this. I don't want to have sex with you anymore. Like, it's <laughs> it's cool. We're just trying to, you know, to help. And, yeah, I feel so like, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I feel like sex worker Twitter can kind of sometimes be a bit unhelpful in this, in this regard because, yeah. of course, we love to complain about things that have gone wrong because, you know, that's what social media is for. But I feel like sometimes clients feel like, do it, like seeing a worker is this minefield of shit. I'd better not do that. And I'd better not use the wrong towel. And I'd better not say, hey, in my message. And like they're filing away all these little don'ts and there are very little do's. So I try really hard to give mm. the do's. Like do plan, yeah. then relax. Do, do your best, but don't beat yourself up too much rather than just saying, remember this, 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 and these 10 things. Because that's it's really hard when you're in a stressful situation and when you're naked to remember the 20 things, you know, at some point you have to actually relax and trust your worker and go with the flow, right? Yeah, and enjoy yourself. Right. right? That is the whole point. Mm -hmm. It's like some of my favourite subreddits are um, there's like Tales from Retail, Tales from the Front Desk, Tales from the Pizza Guy, and they're all industry-specific workers complaining, right? And they're just, you know, talking about idiotic customers and what it's like working in customer service. So I, I see 
Yeah. And it's, you know, some of the stories are very funny and some of them are very baffling and you go, what the fuck was that customer thinking? And I think that sex worker Twitter can be quite similar to that. And, you know, I I don't have any issue with anyone having a whinge about their job. Sometimes we just got every job. Absolutely. Every job has its shit parts Mm -hmm. and has its shit customers. But I guess the issue is that it's so personal. Like I don't know if that many people care if they're what their pizza guy thinks of them or they don't necessarily care what, you know, the person taking your order at, at the grocery store, what they necessarily care about you. Your so sex I, workers seen you naked. Yeah. Yeah. That's and true. that's hard. It's hard to yeah. take criticism from someone that's seen, seen you without your pants on. It's a very personal thing. Yeah. yeah. And seeing you naked beyond the physical. Right. As em- well. Emotionally yeah. as well. Emotionally vulnerable. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's where there's a bit of tension there because I think sex workers, like anyone, absolutely have a right to complain. But I also understand that our clients are giving a lot of themselves to us as we are to them. Mm. And then, uh, you know, as a result, that often leads to our emotions and our responses to things being quite heightened too. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration because, um, you know, the job is as intimate for us as it Right. It can be as intimate for us as it can be for clients. So and it's good for clients to keep um, in mind that if they're worried about being criticised or judged or that their bodies aren't good enough or that they pull weird orgasm faces, like these are things <laughs> we worry about too. You oh, know, and if 100%. A, right? And if a client says something judgmental or awful to us about our bodies or whatever, yeah, that's going to, you know, we are getting intimate with that person and, yeah, it can be really impactful as well. Like, yeah, it's good to keep in mind. It goes both ways. Yeah, massively. I mean, those of us who have shot porn, we know what our awful orgasm faces look like. We're very aware of it. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I find that, that interesting. They never expect us to be self-conscious about things, and we absolutely are. We mm-hmm. have to project an image of confidence mm. because, you know, being self-conscious about your body or the way you look or the way you do things, it's not the sexiest marketing strategy. So we we put right. out this, you know, yeah. I mean, I get comments all the time, people from all over the world saying, oh, you've given me so much body confidence and that's fucking amazing. And they say, you know, because I'm not skinny, I'm a curvier girl. And, and they say, oh, it's so great how you love your body. I don't fucking love my body. I have a very troubled relationship with my body and that's not, you know, it just is what it is. A lot of us do. Right. And people are very, very surprised to hear that because I, I'm naked all over the internet. So it doesn't, it doesn't kind of correlate, but you know, that's a whole psychology session for that another time. That is interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and people do assume because you're sexually liberated or because you're mm-hmm. comfortable getting naked in front of people that you've solved all your problems, but that isn't the case. Like, you mm-hmm. know, as sex workers, we struggle with whorephobia, we struggle with body image mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm aware that also clients struggle with body image stuff and with their own sex negativity. Like everyone's struggling with this stuff. It's just that, you mm-hmm. know, if I'm holding the space for someone, you're not going to see that because my focus is on making the, sa- the space safe for you and looking after mm-hmm. your emotional needs. And that's part of the service that you're paying for. But yeah, you know, I'm a human exactly. being too. All that stuff is there. Hmm. Yeah. I think you've, you've really nailed it there that a lot of, I find it quite therapeutic for me because sex work means I've got to put my own thoughts and concerns to an extent to the side because it's not about me. I've got to yeah hold space for someone else. Mm. And so that can actually be quite, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't recommend sex work as therapy necessarily, but there can be some, some positives that we can mm. get out of it in that sense. Well, like any, any kind of job that you're into or any activity you're into that gets you into flow state where you're really just concentrating in the moment and doing something you're good at can be really therapeutic because it takes you out of your 
you know, thought patterns or your misery if you're having a bad day and you just concentrate on something you're good at. So, yeah, that applies to a lot of stuff, I think, just depending on the person. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, love that. Mr. Love has been using Manscaped products for a few years now and he swears by them. He's been using the Lawnmower 3.0 and also sometimes I steal it from his bathroom and I use it too. I'd say don't tell him, but he's editing this podcast. <laughs> and yes, despite the name, the product itself is actually gender neutral. And now we've been lucky enough to be amongst the first to try the Lawnmower 4.0. Yes, the bush is gone. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Of course, here at Somebody You Love, we believe that you should groom or not groom your body hair however you wish. But trimming is a great option because you don't have to worry about all of the hassles that come with shaving or waxing like ingrowns, microcuts, that awful itching when it grows back, and also irritating the delicate skin of your lover. If you're visiting a sex worker, it's the perfect way to ensure that everything is neat and tidy, but with no breaks in the skin that can increase your risk of transmission and infection. In time for the holiday season and sweaty, stinky summer for those of us down under, Manscaped have released the Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find the signature lawnmower 4.0, the crop preserver and crop reviver, which is anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer and toner, a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxes and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SOMEBODY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SOMEBODY. Heat up your sex life with Manscaped. Alrighty, so whenever we have a guest, we do ask our patrons if they have any questions for the guest. So we have a couple for you today. This is a big one. I hate answering this question. I don't know how you'll go. I like difficult questions. Okay. What has been the most rewarding experience of your career in the adult industry? The most rewarding out of all? Yeah. Like I've been doing this for 12 Isn't that years. Difficult? Oh, oh, just bear with me for a moment while I just replay my 12 years of hookering. <laughs> oh, my God. I've had so many awesome things happen, so many. Like, you know, those moments where you're coming home from a job and you're like, did that, did that really just happen? Like, fuck, yeah. these things, you know, I'm so glad I do this. I think my favourite stuff, and it's a generalisation, it's not a specific incident, I just I love helping people open up their relationships. I love seeing couples for their first threesome and I've had everything from amazing orgasmic experiences where they were like, oh, my God, I'm so glad we did this. We're doing this many more times in the future. I can't believe we never, you know, tried non-monogamy before now to difficult experiences where someone cried or had to stop and then we talked about it and there was a lot of learning there. Mm. You know, some of my favourite experiences have been with couples where halfway through one one or both of them starts crying, goes, stop, I can't take this, and then we stop and we talk about, you know, how they're feeling and they they realise things that they didn't know before and it makes their relationship deeper because they got to talk about some of this stuff that came up and it's just it's so cool because I'm such a sex and relationships nerd. I just love helping people work that stuff out 
So I think, yeah, having a really good threesome, and I can remember a couple where couples have just gone, oh, my God, we were so nervous and now we are so into this and we're going to just go out there and we're going to shag a whole load of people. Like this is fucking awesome. And you know that they went home and fucked again. Oh, my God. (laughs) Or as soon as I left, right? Yeah. And then I get, you know, and then I get messages from them for months afterwards saying, hey, so we're seeing this person. Would you just um, give us a reference? Or, hey, we're going to our first swingers Mm -hmm. party or whatever, and they're just off. It's great. Yeah, I love that. I love it. It's interesting the um the crying because it's not it's not entirely unusual for us to have clients who have difficult feelings, who have mm-hmm. trauma, who who will, you know, cry or or need to stop what's happening. And of course, we are not licensed psychologists and and that's No, there's a know, limit to that. But there is a limit to it. But it's so in- and I I I've, I was just thinking about it a few experiences I've had with couples where it's been quite similar and they're always so apologetic. And I think it's so – I'm so grateful that they are able to be vulnerable with me there. They've let – especially in a, in a couple situation, they've let me into their relationship and then – and not just in a physical sense. Emotionally, they've they've let me in. And it's so – the trust that they've put in me, you know, to – like I just feel like that is so huge. Yeah. And I, I don't want to say I like it when clients cry, but <laughs> – I like making but, my clients cry. Yeah. <laughs> But it's 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 that real intimacy, isn't it? And and I think that and that's, learning, yeah, yeah, it's really great. We we kind of make out that every sexual experience has to be amazing and mind blowing and perfect, or it's not on. But actually, ones that are difficult in a way that we want them to be, or ways that are useful, not people doing shitty things to us. Like yeah, that they can be really rewarding. Okay, our final question for you is is crucial, is very very important, Georgie. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Nobody has ever asked me that before. Thank you. Really? Yes. I feel really good about that. So it is mint choc chip. Oh, a classic. Mm. Now I feel like ice cream. Thank you. Mm, me too. And my, my body doesn't like ice cream, but, I, oh. but my mouth does. My mm. mouth likes a lot of things. One of my partners, that is his online dating opening line, actually. My mouth so likes a lot of things. that's the first interaction. My <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> but no, our first interaction was him asking me what my favourite ice cream flavour was. Look, and I think it's a really great opener. It is. I quite like it. It's better than hay. Mm. What exactly. you doing? Much better. Much better. Right? And it's fun. It's light. But, you know, so and I like my favourite is I just I'm a sucker for vanilla ice cream with mix-in. I like, oh. like mix-ins. I like the texture. Mm. And I feel like that sums me up sexually and romantically as well. Bit of texture. So it's a good segue. Bit of texture. Vanilla with texture. So you like cold rock then? You have cold rock. Oh in. yes, love it. So good. Yes, so good. Love that stuff. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> cool. Good that we've got that out there. Important. Mm. Important. Alrighty, it's time for shit people say, and we. Uh, I think Georgie's got a story for us. So tell us a story. All right. This is random. Okay, okay, so good. Ideal. I'm, I'm in far north Queensland about eight to ten years ago for the solar eclipse. I was at this giant festival in far north Queensland for, for two weeks, I think. I lived in a tent in 45 degree heat. And then we saw the eclipse and we, you know, danced around and stuff as you do. But anyway. Of course. <laughs> so each um there were thousands of people at this festival, like ten thousand people. So we were divided into little camps of tents. At each camp had a camp supervisor 
who was someone a bit more experienced with camping because it was real hot, like people dehydrated all over mm. the place. It was a little bit, mm. it was pretty um, pretty hard going. That's like those sweat lodges that cults have. Right, except it was it's dry It's not like heat. that, but oh, all just okay, that's good. Lying that's under, good the, under yeah. the trees in as little as, as possible, just swinging water during the day, trying not to die. Mm-hmm. So this, mm-hmm. I think this is where this came from. So my camp manager, you know, everyone from our little camp is lying under trees in as little as possible, trying not to overheat. And, you know, we'd all talk to each other about what we did and stuff, and I was pretty new to sex work, so I'm like, yeah, you know, I do escorting, blah, 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 and, you know, everyone's like, oh, interesting, because people do tend to say, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all a bunch of hippies. They're all lovely people, so no judgment there. Um, really nice. But then about a week in, hanging out during the day with the camp manager, and he's like, hmm, so sex work. Mm-hmm. And I went, yeah, and he's like, so I was thinking that maybe we could – and I went, dude, in a tent in 45-degree heat in far north Queensland? Like, that's not how I work, mate. Is there a five-star hotel nearby? I actually don't just go to five-star <laughs> to tent, but I laid it on a bit. I'm like, do you have a yeah. five-star hotel and some makeup and heels and are you going to send me an email so I can screen you properly? Because yeah. I don't think you work. it doesn't work how you think it works. And he was like, oh. And there's I, so many people around. Yeah, yeah, but also I think he just assumed that, a sex worker was just someone that you could get to have sex with you by handing the money and it was just about getting the sex and you could mm. get it in the back of a car or, you know, or mm. in a tent. And no shade to anyone who does, by the way. Like wherever we choose to work is fine. But I'm like, dude, like it's like if a surgeon was in far north Queensland partying <laughs> for the solar eclipse and you were like, oh, while you're here, do you reckon you could just <laughs> like just cut out this little bit of a mole I've got going on? And he's like, mate, um, do you mind? <laughs> It was pretty funny. So he was super taken yeah. aback because he thought he could just wander up and offer me some money and I that I would fuck anyone for money under any circumstances. Mm. And mm. I was surprised by that too. Mm. Mm. It is, it's that misinformation. Is I mean, I talk about that all the time, that so many people think that, A, we will do anything. It's, for money. it's sort of a name your price situation. Right. That whole joke about painting your back fence. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's this thing going around on the internet where some, bloke, some bloke's like, well, I don't really want to have to paint my back fence. Can I just get some some hookers and get to pay them to paint the fence? Like the implication oh. being that you can pay a sex worker to do anything for the right amount of money yeah, or right. something. Yeah. Oh, God, I I'm not be painting your fucking fences. fence. I don't Fuck like physical no. labour. No. No. Oh. <laughs> Look, everyone has their things, right? And it's also, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is another mistake potential clients make, I think, is assuming that we are desperate, for lack of a, a better word, that mm. we that we will put up with anything because we're yes. the bottom of the rung yes, and because we, we need the money. And, uh, you know, of course there are some sex workers who do need the money, just like there are people in all industries who, who need the money. Mm-hmm. But there's a real joy in turning down those people that just never expect that you they could possibly be turned down by a, you know, a hooker. Right. But it's also, it's it's upsetting. That whole saying, like, couldn't get a root in a brothel, there are actually people mm. who can't get a root in a brothel. And usually oh, there's it's, lots of them. Right, there's tons. Yeah. And it's usually around assuming that you can just wander in, that how you act or behave or how you present or whether you've washed doesn't matter. And that because you're paying, the customer's always right. And that that's not going to get you super far in the sex industry. Nope, not at all. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Georgie. Thanks I for always have me. a fantastic time when I talk to you. I just think, ah, oh, you're just full of 
good stuff. You got good stuff to 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 talk and to write about. And I Same love about it. you, mate. We always have awesome oh. chats. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, and then get sidetracked and and then poor Mr. Love has to cut a whole bunch of stuff out. Like, oh well, <laughs> Sorry, Mr. That's what Love. He's there for. <laughs> At least it's not painting someone's fence. <laughs> yeah. He's nodding. He would yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much. I'll talk to you some other time. Bye. Yay. It's time to thank our wonderful patrons. The thank yous are just coming from me today, but I promise you Holly is equally as grateful for your support. We have a new very generous somebody, and that is Millie Mars. Our even more generous somebodies are Paul, Catherine, Fritzia Tits, Liam, Ellen, Celeste, Wheezy, Margaret, our secret admirer, Big M, Andrew, Scott Watson, Leslie, Nora Knightley, Miss Billy, Sub London, Lachlan, Adam Smith, Andrew, and Timmy. And our extremely generous somebodies are Josh, Wombat, Nick, Ad Amore, Brino, Sienna Saint, Amanda Valentina, Pete, Andrew, and Aaron. Thank you so much. We will see you next time. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Our name everywhere is Somebody You Pod, as in podcast. Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month and you can get all of our episodes ad-free and a day early, plus bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes action, bloopers and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, somebody you love might just be a sex worker. <laughs>